Welcome back to the 2R1 Podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Last week we were in Acts chapter 2. We finished up the chapter, and the title was The Last Days. We interviewed Pastor Mickey Lindsay. This week we will be in Acts chapter 3, and the title is Look at Us. Look at Us. Look at Us. Uh, We do not have a guest this week, but we're going to try and finish chapter three. So we hope you enjoy. Uh, Sit back, enjoy the ride, and we'll see you guys in just a bit. Welcome back. We had a two-part podcast last week. Hope you guys had a chance to listen to those. Uh, this week we're going to be again in Acts chapter three, and uh, title again is "Look at Us," mm-hmm. and we'll get into more of that. So, Elisa, you want to read for us where we want to break it up? Um, let's see, through ten. Sounds good. All right, all right. Acts three, verse one. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Lord, thank you for your word that is uh, a roadmap in our lives. Thank you for Elisa. Thank you for all the people that you've surrounded us with, Lord. Thank you for um, this ministry that you've blessed us with, Lord. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak for you, Lord, and about you. Father, I pray that your word and your praise and uh, just your direction and your voice to people would always be upon our lips, Lord, that we would always be uh, willing to serve you, Lord, and excited about serving you. And I pray that you would take this word tonight, bless it, um, bring fruit from it, Lord, give us insight and wisdom into it, speak through us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be a vessel of honor unto you. Sow seeds of faith in your people, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, last time at the end of Acts chapter 2, we didn't get to spend a lot of time on it, but you were talking about it. And it's the unity and the simplicity of Mm -hmm. the church. And it says that they were together. They were a community. They were a community. And Mm -hmm. it says daily. They Mm -hmm. continued daily in the temple courts and breaking uh, bread together and meeting in each other's homes. Um, and basically, Judaism is still what they knew. So they continued in those traditions of Judaism, but knowing the Messiah now, the fulfillment of Jesus coming, 
and paying atonement for their sins. So there's still there's more coming in Acts where Jesus will begin to explain things that have been taken care of and passed away and and you know we'll get into later what you know God calls clean mm-hmm. you know and so they're still on the tales of Judaism here and so this chapter opens up and it doesn't say if it's the next day it just it gives me the picture that it's a little while after I mean they kind of go through these day-to-day things it says they met each other in each other's homes it could be the next day but i kind of get the feeling that it's been a little I still while feel like it's chronological and the events yeah, yeah. De- definitely i'm like i feel like this happens after mm-hmm. for sure but I, it doesn't tell us a timeline the end mm-hmm. of chapter two kind of tells us that they're meeting daily so i kind of get the feeling that they're doing this for a little while and then they come to now i could be wrong about that it doesn't say um, but they come to the temple uh, at three o'clock, which is the, and this is interesting, the CJB says the hour of its Mincha prayers. It could be pronounced wrong. There's different pronunciations. Minka, M I N C H A H is how mine spells it. So it's not just the hour of prayer like it's worded in other translations. There's an actual Hebrew Jewish name for these particular mm-hmm. prayers. So I was like, well, there might be something there. So I did a little bit of research. And basically, it got really deep really quick (laughs) with all of these words and names that I didn't understand. But what I got from it was, is that I'm sure for some or maybe even many of the people, it was not ritualistic. But there are all these different types of prayers that have these different names that are for different things and that recite different parts of the Bible. And it's like when you go at three o'clock, you do this prayer. Mm-hmm. And when you go, at, you know, and it's not that all of them did it that way, but it, it just studying it, it feels a little bit constricting. And so that set the stage for me. Well, don't you think that now that they have this revelation and this understanding of who Jesus is and everything that he's fulfilled in the Old Testament, that even if it had become a little ritualistic for them, for Peter, for John, for everybody else that was doing this in the in the early church, all of a sudden it had new meaning because they had a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They know? could see Jesus in it. And that's what's so awesome about even you going to look that up. Like, it still matters. Mm-hmm. You know, these Jewish practices, festivals, all that, it's still got meaning to us today. It didn't yeah. just completely do away with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But really more where my mind was at when I read that was, they're going to the temple with that renewed mind, but they're going to be among a people mm-hmm. who are in the ritual. Mm-hmm. And so as they're coming to the temple... All these good Jewish people are doing what good Jewish people did, you know, similar to what good Christian people yeah. do, just like Mickey talked about in the last podcast. You know, we go to church because that's what we do, and right. we don't always go for the right reason. So that's kind of where my mind went. I was thinking kind of what Mickey had said and bringing it into this. And so they're going to the ritualistic place at a ritualistic time among a people that are doing ritualistic things. Not that all of them were. Some of them, right. you know, there's stories where a guy's in the temple uh, in one of Jesus's parables where it's the guy at the back of the temple. He won't even look up to the Lord and he just asks for forgiveness. And then you have the Pharisee at the front that's like, Lord, I'm better than these mm-hmm. sinners in the back of the church, you know. So there are there were people who had a genuine heart for God in this temple, surely. But as a rule, 
just kind of as a generality, a lot of these people were kind of caught in that ritual. So they're going to do what they're kind of supposed to do. And as they're going to this Minka, Mincha prayers at three o'clock, they go through, um, they go through the beautiful gate, the gate mm-hmm. called beautiful, the beautiful gate. They're one in the same. And it was like, if you've ever, if you ever get a chance to research that, I mean, you can go all in depth and how beautiful it was, but it was absolutely beautiful. It wasn't just called beautiful. It was called beautiful because it was truly beautiful, mm-hmm. magnificent. And at the bottom of this beautiful gate is a marred man. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're seeing what man sees as the opposite of beauty contrasted against what man saw as the epitome of beauty in this culture, you know? And so right there, there's just a stark contrast. And I'm sure God loved the temple gate called beautiful. I'm sure that he liked to look at it, but he saw that as ugly compared to this man who was beautiful. Mm -hmm. He saw it was spiritualized, whereas we see things upside down many times. And if you look at the podcast image for this particular chapter, you'll see a person holding a magnifying glass out. If you know anything about light, when it kind of comes through a magnifying glass or a lens, it turns upside down. And so that's just a little bit of an allusion to what this subject is about. We, the gate was what we would be consider beautiful. The man, we would consider ugly, but God sees it right side up. We see it upside down. <laughs> so that was kind of why I wanted to put that image in there. That was the first thing. And then this, you could probably talk about, because I've heard you and Chasta kind of talk about this. There's something to be said about this man getting carried there every day. Absolutely. Like, who are these friends of his or family or whoever they are that are dedicated to making sure he gets there? I mean, I ask myself, would I do that? You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just trying to get work on time, you know? I'm just trying to get these. But then my next thought is, does he ever get to go inside the gate? It says... Every day people used to put him at the beautiful gates, what mine says, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it doesn't say whether he was not allowed, but it just says every day this is where he was. But, you know, even though these people are taking him every day and it is an amazing, awesome deed, even their best effort can't give him what he needs. Mm -hmm. So he's taken every day and laid up against this this man-made creation that we call beautiful. And he's looked on as less than and not beautiful. So they put him there so that he can survive, so that he could beg for those going into the temple, mine says. Then it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money or alms, as yours reads. But they stared straight at him and Peter said, look at us. And that, as I read this more and more, that became the title and I really can't get into why that became the title until we read more of the scripture. Mm-hmm. But Peter called his attention to him. And and really, if I could think about this whole chapter as like a summary, this is what walking with Jesus should look like. This is what faith is. You know, you always hear the difference between, there's a difference between belief, believing, and faith. What is faith? Faith is belief in action. That's what's happening here. Peter and John are out of the upper room. They're out of the home church. They're out ministering to people they're saying hey we'll help you you know we're being the church so this is really 
when the church, like Mickey said, puts it in drive mm-hmm. right here. You know, I mean, it's one thing to minister in, inside your group of believers. Yeah, and, and how easy would it have been for them to think, you know what, I'm on my way to church. I can't do this right now. <laughs> right. i got to go be with the Lord. Right. I mean, how many of us on our way to church would miss church to help somebody? Yeah, and how many people would be like, how many, how many people would be like, you missed church today? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But really, you were doing, you were doing God's work. Mm-hmm. So we really have to be careful how we group things mm-hmm. and how we see things, you know? And I would venture to say that God is more concerned about ministering to those that are that don't know Him than He is about us coming together for fellowship. So it's not that coming together for fellowship in the body of Christ is not important. It's just that a need being brought across your path trumps that. A ministry need trumps that. And that's what's happening here. Mm -hmm. Um, So then Peter tells him to look at us. says, the crippled man fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I do have I'll give to you in the name of the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And taking hold of him by his right hand, pulled him up. Peter pulled him up. Instantly his feet and ankles became strong. He sprang up, stood a moment, and began walking. Then he entered the temple court with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Everyone saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him. So I really I need more scripture to get into my point. But there's some stuff here, too. Mm-hmm. Um. Money is not going to get it done. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's kind of like the public education system. <laughs> <laughs> Once you work in the public education system, yes, money's important. Yes, money helps. Yes, money provides resources. But at the end of the day, you can throw every, every bit of money you got at a public school, and if you've got the wrong people in the wrong place with the wrong heart and the wrong motives, it's not going to work. And so it's important to make that point. Church is no different. You can have the best building, the best programs, mm-hmm. the newest vans, the coolest T-shirts, the best taste in pizza, the hottest new rap song. That don't mean it's going to work. What we have to give is greater than any thing. Um, and we may have silver, we may have gold, but what we have to give cannot be monetized. You cannot put a price on it. And you can't give what you don't have. can't give away what you don't have. Absolutely. So that, that point needs to be made. Um, and then alongside what you said, Elisa, we, we may feel like we don't have anything to give, but God wants your heart and your devotion and your willingness to go. Um, he can use someone without possessions but with a desire for him far more than he can use someone with possessions that doesn't that's just giving God lip service. You know, um and I think that along those lines you're starting to see uh, um a little bit of a push back to those basics where we strip away some of those mm. things that silver and gold can buy that can distract us and start getting back to God, his word and his spirit. You know, back to the basics of that. 
So Peter basically says that in a nutshell. I don't have any of that stuff that you're asking for that everyone else is trying to give you that really is not going to lift you out of this miry clay that you're in. But what I do have is Jesus on the inside of me, the creator of the universe, the person who changed my life, and I'll tell you about him. And that should be our our message. So he says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He also says in mine, in the name of the Messiah. So right there, that's blasphemy in the courts of the mm-hmm. temple. You know, I'm, I'm sure he Which didn't whisper it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he didn't whisper that. And yeah, it just gets more and more heated. But and you'll see in just a minute, he openly proclaims it, which would have been the equivalent of, I don't know, walking into, you know, I don't know. I mean, you just think about walking into a group of your enemies and saying the worst thing you could possibly say, they'd want to jump you. Mm-hmm. That's basically what's happening here. Well, we're, we're seeing more of that now. I mean, we're pretty lucky in this area that it's not, you know, we still have student-led prayer at schools and stuff. But, in certain, I mean, just in Lowndes, they had this huge thing about praying at the football, and somebody in, like, Wisconsin was all upset about it. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it became a huge deal, and... And so in certain areas, you walk in and say the name of Jesus, it's happening. Yeah, it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, and I tell young people this a lot. And, Maybe it wasn't Wisconsin, I, I don't know. But some faraway place. place. But, you know, there will come a time where we have to choose. Mm-hmm. You know, God will bring us to a place. And I'm, you know, I talk a big game. I like to think that, you know, mm-hmm. I will, you know, stand up for Jesus in that moment. I like to think that I will. I hope that I will. I pray that I will. But there will come a day where we do, where we're forced to choose in front of all men. And uh, it may cost us, but God asks us to to stand up for Him. Um, So this is an amazing thing. The guy takes hold of his hand, his right hand, Peter's right hand, and Peter pulls him up, which there's something there too. You know what I mean? Can't just tell him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when the gospel has been shared, when someone receives it and responds, which is what this guy essentially does, I mean, this guy knew the scriptures loosely at a minimum. He's hanging out outside the temple. He knew for, and surely he had heard of Jesus because it was a scandal in the whole town. It's pretty fresh. He says, in the name name of Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth, I mean, this guy, when he agreed to reach out his hand, he's saying... I'm going to give this a shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to take on the shame and the embarrassment and be ostracized for my people in my temple. I'm going to reach my hand up. So that by him reaching his hand, that's his response. Mm-hmm. And so he, Peter's preached essentially in that moment. That would be the equivalent of preaching, even though he goes on to preach to the multitudes. And the guy responds, and Peter doesn't just say, all right, love you, <laughs> see you later. Like Peter actually does what he feels led to do in that moment and and ministers to him both in the in the spiritual and the physical he reaches his hand out you know and mickey talked about that last week he said you know it's all about building relationships you know you can't just tell them the gospel and that's it now there may be times where that is what you do like on your uganda trip you know you're not going to see those people in a continuous relationship building necessarily but one man plants, another one waters, and God gives the increase. But when we can, when the need's in front of us, let's reach out a hand. Mm-hmm. You know. But then a miracle takes place, and I have never experienced anything like this. 
I've never been a part of anything like this. And I wish that I had, and I hope that I will. I wish I had more to say about that other than we need some of this and I want to be a part of some of this and I would love to see it, you know, and I would love some people to email us if they mm-hmm. have been a part of this. I mean, let's, let's share it because when I hear that it's happening, it strengthens my faith. Yeah. I would love to hear some stories. If somebody wants to email us questions at two R one. So he, there's a miracle that takes place right here. And it's not just, I mean, this is a miraculous thing that, that goes from crippled to healed and doing cartwheels in the temple <laughs> in, a, in a matter of seconds. This isn't like, oh, well, I, something kind of weird happened. Well, there's no denying a miracle has just happened. So he sprang up, stood a moment, began walking. Then he entered the temple courts, walk, walking and leaping and praising mm-hmm. God. So I, I like to think he's doing cartwheels right yeah. there. I mean, it's more than just a, a huge change has taken place in this this man's life, physically and spiritually. And I mean, it specifically mentions his feet and his ankles. And if you know, we've all seen people that are crippled that cannot walk, and their legs are little. You yep, know, there's no the muscles. There's yep. there's the feet are withered. Even you know, the ankles are are not even straight. And so to to just see that transformation physically. Can you imagine? I, I mean, everything was lined up, strengthened, and able, you know, it was just I know. moving. Well, like it's never been able to move. I mean, you think about like movies where they show something like this happen. Usually they like cut away to their face and then they cut back to the ankles and the ankles are mm-hmm. healed. But like, how does it look when it's going down? Like, does your vision just see it from like one blink, boom, it's there? Or are you seeing it like, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe Jesus did it different, all different kinds of ways. But I'm hoping, since we're in the last days, <laughs> that you're going to see some of this, mm-hmm. you know? Well, here's the really cool part to me that I, f- I feel like is not a coincidence. You know, you think about when Jesus was walking the earth, you know, the first miracle that he performed was turning wine, water into wine. And, it, you know, it also was symbolic of that transformation that Jesus can do, you know, when mm-hmm. we're transformed with, away with the old and, and with the new. And, mm-hmm. and then this is the first miracle of the early church as a community. And what is it? He, they're walking Mm. They're moving. They're making what has not been moving move all of a sudden. Mm, that's good. And I think that's what's what needs to happen now with the church. You know, it needed to happen then. And as a group of believers, the very first miracle is someone who was not walking is now walking. Mm. So it's time for us to get up and walk. <laughs> and you know what? You would think the person who was healed was somebody who was like up in the temple. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This guy's like outside the gate, mm-hmm. literally outside the gate. I mean, he's not really welcomed in. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, and with that guy, it's also, you know, you're getting ready for God to open the door to the Gentiles. And he's kind of hinting at that here. Hey, I'm about to go outside the doors, mm-hmm. outside the gate, yeah. out, outside of what you guys thought was kind of my boundaries. I'm about to go outside of that. That's right. That's good stuff. Both of those. Good revelation right there. That's good stuff. Um, 
So after he's walking and pra- praising God and leaping, um, it says that everyone saw him. Again, this is not just done over there in the corner and Peter's trying to hide it. Um, everyone saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the man who had sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were utterly amazed and confounded at what had happened to him. Again, there's that word confounded. You could say confused there. So, was God the author of that? (laughs) I mean, you know, there's some play in that in my mind. I think God (laughs) wanted them to be like, what the heck just happened? You know, like they're a little confused. There's a time where we can't figure it out. Yeah, like they're confused. There is no other explanation except God. And God was the author of that. So, like, it just is semantics. There are times where God uses confusion to draw (laughs) and to correct or, you know, to break up like he did at the Tower of Babel. Anyway, so it says they were confounded, and then Peter gets a chance here to speak. So it says, well, verse 11, yeah, you haven't read that yet, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. All right, so picking back up at 11 through the end? Uh, Yeah, because it's kind of all his preaching there. All right, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said the Lord God will raise up For your prophet, like me, from your brothers, you shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Oh my gosh, that is just, (laughs) I mean, to go into a church service and to hear that as a sermon, to see something like this happen, and then to have somebody like Peter preach, knowing there are people in the crowd wanting to kill him, Mm -hmm. just like they did Jesus, and the people in the crowd, knowing there are people in the crowd wanting to kill him, but seeing him still preach this anyway, I don't know if you can put yourself there, but I would highly encourage you to go and read this and put yourself in Peter's shoes. I mean, he just watched Jesus be 
strung up, and crucified. He knows what they do to people that say this. He accuses the leaders and the people there of Mm -hmm. killing the Messiah. And he says to them, you killed the author of life, which is God. God. You know, like you cannot get more in their face than this right here. And he's in a place, I mean, earlier in the Gospels, when Jesus is preaching in here, they all circle around him wanting to stone him, stone him. But he kind of like somehow gets out, you know, because it wasn't his time. But Peter is preaching. I mean, he is no stranger to controversy. So just go read through this on your own time. Put yourself in his shoes and break it down and just look how powerful this whole scene is. So Peter earlier in a few verses before tells the blind man or tells the crippled man, look at us. I'm going to give you what God gave me. So right here, all the people are looking at Peter and John and the, the man healed is standing right next to them. And Peter says, why are y'all looking at us? Like we are holier than you. Like we have some special power. Let me tell you what this is. Let me tell you who did this. This is not me. I'm just a fisherman. This is Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Christ, the one you killed, the one that you are guilty of handing him over in exchange for a murderer, someone who takes life. You wanted someone who takes life and instead took the life of the one who gives life. I mean, hypocrisy on full display. You're looking at me amazed and and kind of think about this. They're looking at him amazed like, wow, you're a superstar. Well, if they're so amazed, why'd they kill Jesus? He did this all the time. You know, like it's just so upside down. It's just so backwards. But when you're in an upside down way, Mm -hmm. you can't see that it's upside down. You got that whole crowd mentality. Yeah. (laughs) It's mob mentality. Yeah. Yeah, I would encourage you to go watch the I Am Barabbas YouTube video as well. Uh, I think uh, some famous preacher did that. It's awesome. Super powerful. I cry every time I watch it. So Peter just basically explains to them, this is not me. So why, why does God do a healing? Well, I'm not God. I don't know. But I do know that there's multiple reasons. One of them is because he loves that person and he wants to bless them and he wants to show forth his goodness and his mercy and his power to the individual whom he heals, this crippled man who's been at the gate. That's an obvious reason. But the other reason is to give you a platform, to give himself a platform. I and mean, what did Jesus do? He, he healed so that all of a sudden they're listening. It's the same reason why I act completely ridiculous in my classroom. The <laughs> more ridiculous I act, the more they look at me like, oh, my gosh. It's true. <laughs> and I have their complete attention, you know. And I even I tell them my tactic. I'm like, listen, I'm not just acting like an idiot just to act like an idiot all the time, sometimes. But, <laughs> but Jesus used amazing things to gain the ear of the audience so that some may believe and be saved. And that's Peter recognizes the pattern. And again, that goes back to for the people, not just it's both. It's so that he may be glorified, but in the end, it's because he wants souls to be saved. Amen. He wants people with him. 
Amen. He, that is God's heart and desire in all things is reconciliation. You know, why did He create us in the beginning to have fellowship with us? His whole crazy long game plan is to get us back for fellowship. And so Peter recognizes this is an opportunity. And so, you know, you look later um, in some of the the, the, uh, the books that Paul wrote, Paul tells the people, hey, remember what I did? Imitate me, imitate me. And at first when you read it, you're like, wait a minute, he should be telling them to imitate Jesus. And in a way he is. But Peter knows that they're looking up to him. And so therefore he has a platform and he takes his platform and points mm-hmm. them to Jesus. And how easy would it be for us to say, yeah, look at what I did. Mm-hmm. And that I think is another reason why we don't see more of the power. It's because we're divided. And, you know, we're not one church. We're not acting as a community, as the early church. So therefore we don't get the power. But also everybody, we do have that kind of self-centered mentality as mm-hmm. a general group of people, really. I mean, we're all guilty of it, and myself yeah, I mean, included. We're, we're kind of raised that way. And Yeah, we want we want the trophies and the accolades and everything else. We don't, it's, it goes against our instincts to say, oh, that's not me. You know, we want the credit. Absolutely. And, you know, we're raised with that kind of Hollywood type image, mm-hmm. lofty image in our mind, and especially in America. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, you ask, you know, Middle schoolers and high schoolers, elementary schoolers, what they want to be when, you, when they grow up. Over somebody half of them, famous. somebody famous yeah. or a YouTuber. Uh, <laughs> or you YouTuber. Know, I, I get that a lot, but none of them really want to put the work into it. They, they think YouTubers just chill all day. <laughs> the good ones don't. They work. But when we get the opportunity and people are looking at us, we need to point them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I do that all the time. But, you know, I've been super encouraged. I'm not the biggest football fan. I enjoy it, but I don't follow it. Uh, But, you know, you look at some of the big-name college quarterbacks right now, Jake Fromm. I mean, in his almost every post-game interview, anything that he does, he will give God the glory. And he will say that. You know, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You look at um, the, the quarterback for Alabama, Tagovailoa, mm-hmm. however you say his name. When they won the national championship, was it a year or two ago? I mean, his post-game interview, it was like, wow. I mean, everybody and their grandma was watching this. He pointed them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that takes some guts. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it takes guts to sit back there and take a sack or to, like, throw a ball and take a hit. I think it takes more guts to stand up for your faith on national television when you've just won the national championship. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me, is powerful and amazing. Um, and that is what we're supposed to do. That's why I named this uh, Look at Us, because when we say that, we say that tongue-in-cheek jokingly, like, look at us, you know, but we want people to see Jesus working in us, and they are going to be looking. Yeah, I think the moment when they said, look at us, and he turned at them, you know, he already, before they even said, get up and rise, like, I think the reason they said, look at us is because the spirit came over them. Mm. You know, it was, you almost were looking at God himself Mm -hmm. through them. I mean, that's how he works. He works through us. Mm -hmm. And that sounds crazy and almost wrong to say that if, you know, if someone's looking at you, they're looking at God. No, it doesn't sound crazy to me. But it, it is. I mean, he is working inside of you. And I, I have not had, 
many moments, a bunch of moments that I felt kind of like I imagine Peter and John feeling in that moment. But I have had a few where I'm like, okay, I know God is prompting me to do this right now. I know God is about to bless this person. I know that it's just a God moment. Mm -hmm. You just really can't explain it. But when you do, even the person that you're talking to can tell, even Mm -hmm. if they don't belong to God, there's something special, something different about this moment. And that guy on the ground at the beautiful gate, this moment was different than every other day. Otherwise, he wouldn't have lifted up his hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So Peter goes on and preaches to him and just really, like you said last week, cuts to the heart, man. He just, you know, he tells them they killed the author of life. I mean, it does not get more in your face than that. Mm-hmm. But that is so true. And he even offers a little grace. You know, he's not just yeah. pointing f- all fingers. He says, you did it out of ignorance, but uh, ignorance is over. That excuse is not going to last forever. Exactly. Y- you are being told over and over and over. So, And you're being told right now that you did yeah. it, so repent. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes into that. Um, you cannot plead ignorance forever. <laughs> yeah. And and Paul says that later on in some, you know, there was a time when God looked over these things as ignorance, but that time has passed. He says that in a roundabout way in uh, one of his letters. Uh, so he just tells them, okay, what do, you know, just like last chapter, what, last chapter, what, what do we do? That's what they're thinking. So Peter tells them, repent, turn to God, that your sins may be erased, so that, I love this, times of refreshing may come from the Lord's presence. And, That's good right there. And in the next chapter, you know how we learn how old this lame man was? You know how old he was? How old? 40. Really? Yeah. So it's just, we've talked about that number before. Mm-hmm. There's so much there. and Time know. of testing. And and this is a test for those people that are, are watching. And, and it was a test for him whether he was going to yeah. reach his hand up or not. But those times of refreshing, don't you want that? I want that. I need that. And when it comes... There is nothing like it. I mean, just being able to breathe in peace, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what God will bring. You know, it says, so that times of refreshing may come. If you are in sin, if there's something between you and God, repent, turn to God, so that times of refreshing may come. God will restore you. He will refresh you. And in God's presence, in the Lord Jesus' presence, is where peace is found, is where refreshing and and being refreshed is found. Um, and then he goes into a little bit of Old Testament. He says, this was all prophesied. So he's speaking to Jewish people, again, in the temple that know the scriptures. He's giving another piece of evidence that tells them this was the promised one. This is the Messiah that he appointed in advance to come. He has to remain in heaven until the time comes for restoring everything. So he's basically speaking of the second coming right there. He says now he's back with the Father. He has to remain there until everything uh, is in place so that he can come back and make everything right. And then he goes on and talks about the other prophets that that prophesied this. He talks about Moses, uh, and he quotes Moses. He says, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You are to listen to everything he tells you. Everyone who fails to listen to that prophet will be removed from the people and destroyed. So the people thought that they were to the, that Moses was talking about the next prophet in line, which was mm-hmm. Samuel or whatever. You could say Joshua, but but again, everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming. So who was Moses talking about? Probably the next prophet, but also Jesus. 
And listen to this. Anyone who does not listen to that prophet will be removed from the people and destroyed. This, again, is, is showing the narrow way of salvation. It's Jesus' way, what he says, or it's, or it's to be removed and destroyed from among the people. Then he talks briefly at the end about uh, you are the sons of the prophets, talking about the Jewish people. You know, God gave his oracles to the Jewish people before the Gentiles. Those were his chosen people. He presented himself to them before anyone. Uh, then later on in Acts, we'll see where he opens it up uh, to the Gentiles. So he just tells them, uh, you know, it was offered to you first. And as we get into the next chapters, you're going to see where God opens the floodgates, opens the doors, and allows everyone to come in. So that's Acts 3. It's good stuff. This is the chapter where the church gets wheels right here. And this they're about is, to walk. They're about to walk. And this is our model for how we do ministry. You know, wait for the divine appointment, seize the divine appointment, let people watch God move, then they're going to be amazed. That's our moment to tell them the good news. You know, mm-hmm. that is the model for the church and ministry. You know, there's different models. You got inside the doors. This is outside the doors here. But anyway, that's going to wrap us up for chapter three. Um, If you have any amazing stories, miracles, stories, questions, comments, please send them. Questions at 2r1.org. We'll share them on the air. We'll talk about them. And if you want to call in, you can tell us the story. Uh, So we'll see you guys next week, Lord willing. We hope to have a guest next week. We're working on that. And we'll be in Acts chapter four. We love you. God bless. God bless. Thank you.